0: If you haven't already, take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You know, our faith, the Bible, Christianity, it's filled with celebrations. It's filled with remembrances. It's filled with activities that God gave his people to remind them, remind us of who we are. To allow us to root our identity in Him. To cause us to remember that that first and foremost, we're a people who have received mercy. A people who deserve nothing. A people who have earned nothing. You see, God has been very gracious to give to His people celebrations, rituals, activities that point to God and point to God's faithfulness and point to God's Mercy. So here at Redeemer as you see on the screens, we're we're on a mission to build out a foundation for the gospel of Jesus in Hendersonville, particularly at Redeemer Church. And what we have said is that our gospel foundation is that salvation, that's being made a child of God, being reconciled to God is by grace alone, God's grace through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, as revealed in the scripture alone for the glory of God alone. So our foundation is that our salvation is a gift from God that points to Jesus, that's rooted and taught in the scripture, that honors and exalts God for his saving mercy in everything. That's our foundation. But now we've really begun to wrestle with how do we build upon this Foundation. And two of the ways that we build upon our foundation is to celebrate the gospel the way God tells us to celebrate the gospel. Two ways we build upon our gospel foundation is to celebrate the gospel in the ways that God tells us to celebrate the gospel. And so Jesus gave to us two gospel celebrations. One is baptism, and the second is the Lord's Supper. Baptism is a one-time initiation into the new new covenant community of God. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Come back next week, we'll talk more about baptism. Hey, here's something to celebrate. The baptistry, it's fixed. I never thought we'd have to talk about baptism like we're Kroger, but the baptismal waters are open. We have them again. You can be baptized. Come and talk to me. That's for next week. Today, I want us to talk about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of the life, death, burial, Resurrection, salvation of Jesus that is for His people and is an ongoing celebration. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it is an ongoing celebration. So today, I want to teach us about the Lord's Supper. And I want to talk about our practice of the Lord's Supper here at Redeemer. And then together we'll take the Lord's Supper. Now, to teach about the Lord's Supper, we could have gone to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 22. I would commend them to you. We could have gone to the words of Jesus as recorded also in Matthew 26. But today, I want to specifically teach about the Lord's Supper from a passage written by a man named Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter eleven. You might say, "Why pick this passage?" Well, look at verse twenty, verse seventeen. Paul says, "In the following instructions, I do not commend you." So Paul is going to give instruction. Verse twenty-three: For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. So Paul is instructing the Corinthians in how to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a way that's consistent with what Jesus taught. Isn't that our goal? To celebrate the Lord's Supper in a way that is consistent with what Jesus taught? And so, if that's the purpose of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, then I think that's a good passage for us to look at today. A little aside, the purpose of preaching is to tell you the purpose of a passage. So I hope you'll grant to me from what Brandy read for us, that Paul's purpose in this passage is to instruct the Corinthians in how to take and why they should take and who should take the Lord's Supper. And so my goal today is to teach us the same things. As I said, our main point this morning, for those of you who don't like people like me to babble on for 35 or 40 minutes, our main point is this. Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper as an ongoing remembrance and identification with his life, death, burial, and resurrection. At the core, we are the people of Jesus. At the core, we are the people covered in his blood. At the core, we are a people of faith who have been reconciled to God. At the core, we are the assembly, the church of God's people who live in light of his gospel and bear fruit in keeping with his gospel for the glory of his name. We are a gospel people. And the Lord's Supper is an ongoing identification with the gospel of Jesus. So let's just look at the passage, and then I have a few points for us this morning. Verses 17, um, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 22. Paul is clearly upset. I do not commend you. Like, like Paul's upset. Okay, so let me be really clear. I'm not upset with you today. Okay, we're good. One of our five-year-olds asked me last Sunday, Mr. Jamie, why do you get mad and yell when you preach? I was like, well, I do yell, but I'm not mad. How do you explain that to a five-year-old? I don't know. I'll leave that to the parents. So I'm not bringing a rebuke to us today. At least I don't intend to. As much as I intend to instruct. But the problem in verses 17 through 22 is that the Corinthians were taking a celebration of Christ's saving work and allowing it to make social distinctions within the church. Perhaps Jesus would say it this way. We are together rooted in Christ, not individually alone rooted in Christ. And when we celebrate the gospel, we celebrate it together. We don't make distinctions amongst ourselves. Verses 23 through 26 is where Paul gives the explicit command of what the Lord's Supper is and why it is to be taken. We'll spend the majority of our time there today. And then verses 27 through thirty. 4. Address some false practices amongst the Corinthians and some ways for us to consider ourselves as we come to the Lord's table. So today, our main point is to understand and receive this gift from Jesus where we can identify with Him and be rooted in His gospel As we remember his death, burial, and resurrection and celebrate it together. The church has historically called this the Lord's Supper or communion. Here at Redeemer, uh, we prefer the phrase the Lord's Supper. Of course, the communion language gets at the community nature of the, the celebration, but that's where we are. So I have a few points for us this morning. Um, For my note-taking friends, my first point is the new covenant. The new covenant. The Lord's Supper begins with the new covenant initiated by the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look with me at the passage. I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you. That's verse 23 that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, so this is speaking to the Last Supper, this is speaking to Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and when he had given thanks, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the Lord's Supper begins with the new covenant. Jesus said, Tonight I am initiating a new covenant. Now fear not. New covenant does not mean that all of a sudden God started saving people differently than he had always saved people. God's always saved people based upon his gracious gift of faith in the Messiah who would come from God and redeem. So Jesus is not saying there's a new way of salvation, but he's saying that his death, his burial and his resurrection began something new and he calls it the new covenant. Now perhaps you're saying, "Well, pastor, what is this new covenant?" Turn over to Jeremiah. Let's got to go back to the middle of your Bible there. There's some big books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah chapter 31. This phrase, New Covenant, only appears in a very limited number of places in the Old Testament. And so by picking one, Jeremiah chapter 31, I don't think we're guilty of proof texting as much as I think we're We're referring to exactly what Jesus meant for us to refer to when he said, The new covenant in my blood. Okay. So, Jeremiah chapter 31, I'm going to begin reading in verse 31. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So Jesus says, I bring the new covenant. What's the new covenant? The new covenant is that God's people all know him. God's people all belong to him. God's people all have his law written on their hearts, and God's people all have their sin forgiven from them. Every single one. Hope That's not a leak. Okay, and we're back. So the new covenant that Jesus says he's initiating, he says the new covenant through me is 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 unique. Because under the old covenant, under the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, under the people of Israel, everyone who was born physically into Israel belonged to Israel. But yet the, New Test- the Old Testament labors to say, "Not everyone who is physically of Israel actually knows the Lord, not everyone who is physically a child of Israel actually has belongs to God, and, and so the New Testament starts to make this distinction between physical circumcision and spiritual circumcision, between belonging to the community and actually spiritually internally belonging to God as his child. So the Old Testament starts to make a distinction between all Israel and true Israel. But Jesus says, or God says through Jeremiah, a day is coming when there will be a new expression of this covenant where everyone who belongs to me will know me. Everyone who is, is a part of my people will have my salvation. Everyone who is a part of my people will be spiritually belonging to me. There will no longer be distinction. And so at the Last Supper, when Jesus broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you, what he's saying is, I am the Lamb of God who initiates the new covenant. And when he held up a cup, a cup at a Passover celebration, which historically had, had been a cup of remembering God's judgment and God's mercy, when he held up that cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. What Jesus is saying is, the new covenant era has dawned. All who come to God through me will belong to the Lord, will have his law written upon their hearts, will will have his spirit dwell in it within them and will have their sins forgiven. The new covenant people of God are those who come to God by faith in Jesus. And so the Lord's Supper begins with the new covenant because Jesus is saying, we, ha- we will take this celebration and we will make it about this covenant in my blood. So, the new covenant is God's entrance into the world through his son Jesus, whereby his son Jesus lived a life perfectly obedient to the law of God, died a death upon a cross to pay the penalty of the sin of rebelling against God and rose on the third day to show that he's conquered sin and death. And Jesus says, my life, death, burial, and resurrection accomplish a salvation. Accomplish a salvation that comes to everyone who believes in me. So that's our invitation today. The church is a people of the new covenant. The church is a people of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So, So you might say, okay, Pastor, what's different between the old covenant and the new covenant? What's different is not who is saved in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In all of time, people are saved by placing their faith in God's Messiah who would deliver his children from bondage. From the bondage of sin and death. But what's different is in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, under Moses, the people of God were also a nation. The people of God were also a nation state. And you became a Jew by birth but you became a child of God by faith in Messiah. See, in the old covenant, there was a distinction between a physical Israelite and one who knew God. And what, what Jeremiah is promising is a new covenant, a new covenant where everyone who is a part of the, the covenant community has the salvation of God through Jesus Christ. So the church of Jesus is a new covenant community with a new covenant celebration. So that leads to our second point for our note-taking friends, a new covenant celebration. We celebrate the new covenant in the life of Jesus. The Lord's Supper is a meal for Christians to identify with Jesus by remembering and proclaiming the salvation which he brings. So Jesus tells his disciples, This is my body which is for you. Take it in remembrance of me. He holds up the cup And he says, as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what Jesus is saying is I give to you a new covenant celebration of your saving grace through my broken body and my spilled blood for your salvation and my glory. So to whom has Jesus given the cup? To those who can accurately celebrate that His body was broken and His blood was spilled for their salvation. The Lord's Supper is the New Covenant celebration. How often should this meal be celebrated? The Scriptures don't tell us exactly, but they say as often as you do it. So remember, what Jesus is doing here, or maybe you don't remember, but learn for the first time, is once a year... The people of Israel celebrated what's known as the Passover feast. If you've been around Redeemer that long at all, hey, come every Easter season. One of the favorite things we do is we have a Passover Seder where we walk through and remember this last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. But once a year, the children of Israel celebrated with the Passover feast. The Passover feast remembered God's deliverance from the bondage in Egypt And remember God's faithfulness to his people. And it's during that Passover celebration that Jesus took up a piece of bread. A piece of bread that had been taken up for millennia. A piece of bread that had been taken up to remember God's deliverance through affliction. And Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Your deliverance will come through my affliction. Your deliverance will come through my body that has been broken. And then Jesus took a cup a cup that remembered God's wrath being poured out upon upon the people of Egypt and God's mercy being given to the people of Israel. And he said, this cup, this is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus is saying, I am your deliverance and I am your wrath bearer and I am the one who brings God's mercy to you. But this was a once a year feast. But clearly, I think we can look at this as often as you do it, as often as you do it, and we can recognize that Jesus is instituting a new Passover celebration, a new covenant Passover celebration, and it seems clear that that he intended it to be practiced more than annually. It's clear from studying the early church that it was practiced way more than annually. It's clear from this that the Corinthians have practiced it recently, and Paul intends them to practice it again soon. I wish, how many of you could join me in this, that the Bible had footnotes for us? Like, like I know you have this question, here's your answer to the question. The Bible doesn't tell us numerically how often the Lord's Supper should be celebrated. But it tells us that the New Covenant community is to celebrate the Lord's Supper, the New Covenant celebration, often enough that we can root ourselves in Jesus and we can root ourselves in Jesus's salvation. So the Lord's Supper is a New Covenant celebration where the body of Jesus was broken and the blood of Jesus was spilled to purchase our acceptance into God's family, into the church, into the new covenant community, where our sin is cast from the east as far as the east is from the west, where the law of God is written upon our hearts, where the spirit has come and dwelt in us. We celebrate that as often as we need to, to celebrate and root ourselves in the gospel of Jesus. So some churches historically have practiced the Lord's Supper annually. Some churches have practiced the Lord's Supper quarterly. Some churches, like Redeemer, have historically celebrated the Lord's Supper monthly. Some churches have celebrated the Lord's Supper weekly. But the Lord's Supper is a new covenant celebration for the people of God to root themselves and identify themselves with Christ and his salvation. And so as often as we take it, we are rooting ourselves in that salvation. So what's our frequency, Kenneth? That was a song from the 90s. REM fans, there's not any out there. It didn't work. (laughs) What's your frequency? Well, if I could just do a bit of an aside, I can't point to to Scripture passage and verse here. Um, My conviction has come to be that the people of God need to celebrate our New Covenant feast as often as we can. Um, I think that the human heart is prone to take credit for our holiness and take credit for our morality and celebrating the Lord's Supper says, no, Jesus is the one who has saved you. I think our hearts need to be restored and reminded as often as they can that the blood of Jesus indeed does cover our sin, that the blood of Jesus indeed does reconcile us to God, that the blood of Jesus indeed does make all things new. And I think that our weary, struggling hearts in this broken world need to be rooted in the gospel of Jesus as often as we can. So after at least a year of prayer and conversation, um, today we are beginning a new practice here at Redeemer of celebrating the Lord's Supper on a weekly basis as a part of our weekly celebration, as a way to make the salvation of Jesus at the highlight of every service and as a way to communicate to all who are here exploring the faith, we're not superior, but we know a great Savior. We're not perfect, but God is with us. And so, at Redeemer, we are going to begin to take this new covenant celebration on a weekly and regular basis. So, As we make that transition, and as I try to apply this passage for us, let me just leave you with a few practical considerations. Number one. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of faith in Christ. So in verse 27, Paul talks about those who eat or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And Paul goes on. What's Paul talking about to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner? I think there's a few expressions of that. One is to take the Lord's Supper believing that the Supper itself saves you or makes you more holy or gives you more of God's grace because that undermines the life and death of Jesus. So we are not moving to a more frequent communion because we need a more frequent infusion of God's help to make us more like Jesus. That is not the point. What Jesus did on a cross was once and for all and it's sufficient for all times and all peoples and all places and everywhere. Jesus doesn't need our help to save us. The Lord's Supper doesn't help. So to take the Lord's Supper as a way to earn God's favor, to take the Lord's Supper as a way to make ourselves more holy, to take the Lord's Supper to maybe try to purge away some of our sin, that would be taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. But if I could speak on this point of an unworthy manner, number two would be this. Paul, you don't have to be sinless to take the Lord's Supper. How many of you have ever heard this passage, 1 Corinthians 11, 27, 28, 29, referenced, and something like this said, So, if there's any sin in your heart this morning, perhaps you shouldn't take the Lord's Supper today because you might be taking it in an unworthy manner. How many have ever heard an exhortation down that path? Yeah. That's bunk! Because if I can't take the Lord's Supper, if there's sin in my heart, I'm not taking it. And rather than going to weekly, we need to go to never. Now, if there's continual patterns of unrepentant sin in your life, whereby you're unwilling to receive instruction from God's Word, and you're starting to prove that God's grace is not at work in you, perhaps you should refrain. But if you can come to the table of the Lord and say, I'm broken, Jesus covers my brokenness, Jesus is everything, I'm loved by God because of Jesus, fill me, O Lord, by your Spirit, then you should take and eat and take and drink and bask in the glory of the gospel. So number two, taking in a worthy manner does not equal sinlessness because it's not there. Number three, we individualistic Americans must recover the communal nature of the Lord's Supper. Paul says, when you take the bread and the cup, you do it to remember what Christ has done for you and to proclaim the power of the Lord's death until He comes again. Who are you proclaiming that to, yourself? No! We're proclaiming it to one another. We're proclaiming it to the watching world. We're saying, hey, I take the bread and I take the cup because in my brokenness, Jesus is the only answer and I trust Christ we take the bread and we take the cup because we're saying that in my weakness Jesus is my strength we're proclaiming Jesus is everything Jesus is enough and we're proclaiming that to the weak and the weary among us and we're proclaiming that to the world that thinks we're better than them So we must recognize that the Lord's Supper is not a moment about me and Jesus and me getting my spiritual pick-me-up. Jesus is not your coffee. He doesn't work at Starbucks or your favorite hipster coffee shop in East Nashville. Taking the Lord's Supper is a community of people identifying with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And everyone who sees their need has professed their faith and is walking by faith with Christ takes the supper as a way of identifying with him. Look, I know I'm way out of time, and I just, I'm just going to go with it, Okay? Do you want to know how to fight sin in your life? Identify with the work of Jesus for you. See his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection as him working to make you alive. The Lord's Supper is simply a communal celebration of that, looking to that. Do you want to know how to become more like Christ? Identify yourself with Jesus and his gift of salvation more and more and more. Do you want to know how to love what God loves and hate what God hates? Identify with the life, death, burial, of resurrection. More of Jesus. More and more and more and more. The Lord's Supper is part of our corporate, communal celebration that Jesus is everything and everything else is secondary. Number four, and finally, let's not Fall into this trap that frequency produces apathy. Let's not fall into the trap that frequency produces apathy. So often I hear something like this if we take the Lord's Supper too often, it becomes meaningless and memorized. Okay. All right. Everyone under 18, cover your ears and close your eyes. Everyone under 18, cover your ears, close your eyes. Let's not fall into the trap that frequency begets apathy. I have one word for you sex. Don't laugh, think about it. Kids, you may uncover. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be unjust. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to be worldly. I'm just saying we celebrate what we love. We celebrate what's important to us. We celebrate the gospel in the way that the Lord calls us to celebrate the gospel. Frequency does not beget apathy. Frequency begets worship. So, here at Redeemer, we want to invite anyone who knows Christ, who's been radically saved, by His life, death, burial, and resurrection. To take the bread and the cup as a sign of our faith in Jesus. As a way to identify with Christ, to identify with His body, to identify with His work, to identify with His salvation. Now we would ask that if you are here today and you have not professed faith in Christ, that you not take this bread and this cup because you are not able to identify with Jesus. But we would also today invite you to come. And we would invite you to celebrate And we would invite you to confess and believe for the first time that Jesus is Lord. And today, He will receive you. Today, He will save you. Today, these promises of the new covenant become yours. I'm going to model some covenant repentance here. I, about four minutes ago, crossed a line that I probably shouldn't have crossed. And um, I ask you to forgive me for that. I want the focus today to be on Jesus. I want it to be on the saving power of His cross. I want us to walk out of here thankful that God saved us and not chuckling at something that was funny. So I ask you to forgive me for being crude in a gathering. And I pray that Jesus would be exalted as all who are his children take the bread and the cup together.